What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 36, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, A Matter of Time. And you can find us, a person can find us, on Google Play Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts and give us ratings on those services. Five stars, all the love, make it shiny because that helps other people find us. And then on Spotify Podcasts, you can find us. Uh, when you do that, you can hit, little, hit the little heart button. And uh, Zach, I recently changed my podcast aggregator on my phone from one to another. Uh, I'm uh-huh. uh, trying out Overcast right now, and they have a little search functionality. And I typed in the word walking, and ours was one of the first three that came up. So, Oh, wow. So you can do that, too. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, let folks know about that. And uh, when those folks are really excited to share their love of this podcast with you, dear listeners, you should direct them to talk to us as well. But Zach, how would they do that? Well, if they want to talk to us, then they've got lots of different options. You can talk to us by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-H-T-E at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm, still, uh, I'm still impressed. We've been doing this 30-something times, and it's still, it's still pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time I start, I'm like... Am I going to screw up? Am I going to get through? Is, is this the Am time? I going to get through? Yeah. Is this the time? And of course, I screwed up many times. But hey, this time I didn't. So yeah, this time um, smooth. N- you got now, it. I, I did mention that you could talk to us, and technically, you can't really talk to us on email unless you send an audio or a voice recording, which is conceivable. So I guess if that's what you right. want to do, uh, that's wonderful. I probably won't go through the process of recording voice to send back <laughs> to you. Um, but hey. That's cool. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Brent, you've been getting a little bit more active on the Twitters. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, but the Twitter has also just get, gotten a little more active. Um, ah. Oh. There. So it's more along the lines of that. Uh, you know, folks are retweeting when we post an episode, and then that kind of generates a little bit of activity. Oh, so it's gener- wonderful, wonderful. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook at Star- Walking Through the Stargate. On Facebook, we have a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a couple of new uh, likes this week, so thank you very much for doing that and joining yeah. us on this uh, gate-walking adventure. Um, <laughs> we also have a Facebook group, so if you have liked the page, that's wonderful. Go ahead and uh, uh, join that group, and you can be part of uh, the conversations that are happening there. Yep. Uh, we've been a little bit quiet lately, and that's because I've been really busy. Um, but frankly, it's not all about me. It's also about you. So yes. get out there onto the Facebooks and do your thing, Gatewalkers, because yes. that's what it's all about. That's And that's what it's all about. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Whew. All right, let's move on, Brent. Yeah, yes, please. (laughs) Uh, So this episode, A Matter of Time, uh, is directed by Martin Wood. Uh, Interestingly, as I was Mm -hmm. looking through the illustrated companion for this, it said that it was directed by Jimmy Kaufman, but uh, everything else I saw said Martin Wood. So I'm going to go Hmm. on a limb and say it was actually Martin Wood. Interesting. Uh, okay. I, once cool. I noticed that, I did not actually go back and rewatch the beginning of the episode to find out who was directing it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was Martin Wood. I'm pretty yeah, sure that okay. the book is in here. Uh, this is Martin Wood's fourth directing credit this season. He did In the Line of Duty. Duty. He did The Gamekeeper. He did Spirits. I was trying desperately to go fast enough through that, and you did not allow me to do that. And to ah. that, I say, well done, Brent. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now, so, now it's just going to be a thing. I mean, now, oh, it, oh, oh yeah. So, so uh, Brent, last week you were here watching the show that I was directing at the community theater here, and and one of the words that's used regularly in that because it's uh, the Crucible. It's about uh, uh, the Salem witch trials. Is the word mm-hmm. duty? And mm-hmm. my co-director, every time in rehearsals, somebody would say duty on stage. He'd look at me, he turned, said duty. <laughs> and and then sometimes he would just turn to me and look. Yep. 
and then he wouldn't have to say it, and then I'd then I'd have, have to go duty. Then. Yeah. duty. So duty. yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Martin has got one more episode coming this season, uh, so oh, okay. look out for that. Um, I've ran out of other Martin Woods to talk about this season. We've talked about all of the Martin oh, Woods yeah. that are on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So if you want to learn all about Martin Wood, or you know whether it's this Martin Wood or another one, go to our other podcasts and check yes, them out. That's and, right, and listen to them and, and such. The story for a matter of time was written by Misha Rashevitz or mm. Rasevich. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen it with an H there, and I've seen it without an H there. So mm. what? I'm not certain. Uh, this is her only SG1 credit. Not uh-huh. only is this her only SG1 credit. Uh, this is basically her only credit at all. She does have one. I saw Shocker. one later. So like Rasovich, not Rashovich, has uh, a, a, a credit for the Dead Zone in two thousand five. But uh-huh. that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, she was apparently one of the story editors for uh, SG One for a period of time. I don't know how long, but. Uh, these are the only things that she has written and gotten credit for. It. And of course, mm-hmm. this is just the story here. Yep. Um, okay. And I tried to find more information about her, and I couldn't find anything. I didn't hmm. look that hard because, you know, I had lots of other things to do, but sure. Find, so that's what we know about Misha. There we go. Okay. The teleplay, however, is written by Brad Wright. He's, of course, one of the creators. Uh, he has worked on the story and or the teleplay on six episodes this season. Mm-hmm. We've seen him with Serpent Slayer, The Gamekeeper, Message in a Bottle, and we'll see his name pop up two more times this season. Uh-huh, okay. Yep. Uh, we've got a few guest actors that are worth noting. We've got Marshall Teague. He plays Colonel Frank Cromwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's appeared in over 130 films and TV shows. He's been in The Rock, with Sean Connery, Armageddon, mm-hmm. with Bruce Willis. He's had recurring ro- roles on Walker, Texas Ranger, Babylon 5, others. Mm-hmm. According to IMDb, he holds an industry record of 103 deaths on screen. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Um, I mean, I believe it, but also, doesn't, isn't, doesn't William Hurt have an awful lot of deaths on screen, too? You know, I did not test the veracity of this claim. Uh-huh. I, don't I just... Know if- I yeah. saw it on IMDb it. Yep, yep. in his, and of course, so IMDb is one of those things that uh, uh, re- people, just general people, can go and edit things like uh, the the bios and and some of the oh, information yeah, that's about right. people. Yeah, uh, there's a Wikipedia element to that, uh, a little bit to IMDb. So this is coming from somebody's uh, uh, mini bio of Marshall Teague here. Um, and I was like, hey, that sounds cool. I'm going to add that here. But it is a cool uh, stat, especially uh, related to this story as well. Yeah, because uh, he does apparently die in this one. Apparently. Apparently. Uh, we'll get to more on that in a little bit here. Uh, he's also uh, a motivational speaker, a singer, a hmm. songwriter, hmm. uh, etc. Uh, yeah, okay. The other guest... What? That's cool. That's cool. The other guest actor I want to talk about is Colin Cunningham. He plays Major Davis. Mm-hmm. This is the first of many times that we will see Major Davis. He becomes a recurring character on SG-1 as well as Atlantis. Uh-huh. Uh, he's got tons of credits in his portfolio as well, including Falling Skies and uh, at least one episode of Hawaii 5 Mm-hmm. Um, he considers Vancouver his home, although he was raised in Los Angeles, California. Um, let's see here. There's a whole lot of stuff there. I don't need to read it. He's a he's a cool dude. So <laughs> okay. uh, uh, he did write and direct a film that he was also in called Zachariah Farted in 1998. Um, and uh, apparently a lot of his family members were also involved in that episode as oh. well. Great. Uh, and very well. So there you go. Um, I, I had to bring that up because, you know, now you know well, fart you jokes. Know, it was your duty. It was my duty. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Couldn't let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I set you up for that one, Brent. You sure did. You sure did. Thank you. Appreciate that one. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Anytime. 
A Matter of Time originally aired on January 29, 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, we're in that last year before the dreaded 2000 comes. I know. Y2K is coming. Y2K is coming. The Okay, for those of you who don't remember 1999, the 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 panic in the general culture of the U.S. at this point in time, as people are prepared, are thinking about, are talking about, uh, trying to get ready for Y2K to come, it was palpable. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was also laughable on some levels, but it was also dead serious. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then less than dead serious. Uh, Super was, less than it, dead serious. It was... It was kind of a weird time. Um, uh, yeah, I, I did turned, actually take... What? It turned... It, it, like, uh, it, it was, you know... Well, but it was also sort of like, you know, we were kind of in the beginnings of the 24-hour news cycle, so we had to talk about something. And well, so yeah. why don't we talk about how the financial market's probably going to completely melt down because the computers won't know when the trades occurred because it's going to have records here that said something occurred on December 15th, 1999, and this other one's going to say that a trade occurred on January 3rd, 1900. What? So, what? so interestingly... Um, when I was in high school, this would have been early 90s, mm-hmm. uh, mid-90s, uh, we, in my uh, physics class, we decided, you know, like after class, you know, we were just kind of goofing around with the, the, the teacher there, and we were trying to figure out, so, so what would happen to a computer? So we reset the date to one of the old computers that was in that room that, that we were yeah. uh, dealing with to uh, December 31st, 1999 at, you know, right. 11.59 and 58 seconds, and we watched it switched over, and uh, it tried to put 100 into a two-digit spot. Oh, yeah. So it, it was it was like 19100. Yes. Uh, it, it, it did, I mean, it kept clicking. If you wanted the time, you know, 12 o'clock, yes. 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, you didn't, ha- didn't skip a beat there. Uh, it even gives you the right date, January 1, January 2, and so forth. But, but the year did get wonky. Uh, <laughs> and well, if, Good thing it was just the, the, old, uh, the old computer in the back there. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this was basically almost before Internet. Um, right. Uh, at least before Internet was pervasive like it is now. Sure. Um, so, in any case... We still have t- 11 months to go before we have to worry about that in Stargate. Yes. So, you know, that's just a matter of time, but not today. Yes. Hey, Thank yo. you very much for that segue. You're Let's welcome. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, hey, Brent. Yeah. One more time. Hit me, baby, one more time. There you go. Yeah. That was number one on the charts. Thank you very much, Britney Spears, mm. uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, in the UK, they were not listening to Britney Spears. They are apparently wiser than we are in the United States. Ah. They were listening to Pretty Fly for a White Guy by Offspring. And also a fun the song. Um, so, there you go. That was yeah. what was happening in the late January of 99. In the box office, they were watching She's All That, Patch Adams, Varsity Blues, uh, Civil Action and Shakespeare in Love. This has mm. got to be right around like awards time because Shakespeare in Love was high up there a few weeks ago, months, yeah. you know, and then it actually had dipped down to number nine at this last week uh, relative to this episode and then bumped up to five here. So something must have happened to uh, encourage people to see that again one more time. It's such an original story, Zach. We've, we've, we talked about that, Brent. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, other things that were happening in the late uh, Januarys of 1999. On the 25th of January, uh, after an inquiry into a corruption scandal, six International Olympic Committee members were expelled. Uh-huh. Uh, it's good to know that the IOC is still rife with corruption after 20 years. Well, you know, what else are they going to do? Well, yeah. Uh, like Seth FIFA. McFarlane's Family Guy first airs on January 31st, 1998. Wow. 1999. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's still going, right? Like, they had a a season or two, or they had a year or two where they didn't have the show, but then it's been on ever since, I think. Yep. 
you know, the, the, the fox took it off, and then everybody's like, what the heck are you doing? Right. And then they put it back. Also on the 31st was Super Bowl 33, mm-hmm. uh, where the Denver Broncos beat the Atlanta Falcons 34-19, and John Elway was the quarterback and the MVP of the Broncos. Yay. Yay. So. Oh. Uh, what? what? Wait a minute. When did this air? Oh, the 29th. Okay, never mind. I was thinking, because if it aired on the 31st, it would explain why they decided to air this episode. (laughs) 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 But no, nope, 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 nope. Uh, Are are you you tipping your hand, Brent? What? No. 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 I haven't been tipping my hand this whole... whole... Anyway, carry on. All right, carry on. Uh, So the prop that they used for the shape charge explosive... Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a cool little thing. Uh, it was actually a high-fidelity woofer speaker. Yeah, okay. That makes sense now that yep. I know that. Um, so, not including the various clip shows, uh, this is one of the few episodes that has multiple composers to have credits for the music. Really? Jer- Joel Goldsmith, Richard uh, Band, and Kevin Kiner all have music credits for this episode. Uh, which wow. is rare for something that's yeah, on the show. Yeah, that's peculiar. Hmm. Um, I didn't notice anything uh, disjunct about the music, so... Uh, yeah, neither did f- I, but, you know, anyway, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, this is the first time that the 38-minute window is mentioned in this reality. We've, hmm. We saw that earlier in... Um, oh, that's right. For the Grace of God. Right, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Uh, Jackson goes to that alternate reality, and they talk yeah. about 38 minutes. Um, and we assume that that's probably true here, but this is actually the first time that's mentioned in this reality. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, as you mentioned earlier with uh, uh, Teague up there, uh, Colonel Cromwell apparently dies. Uh, there is right. an author, Sally Malcolm, and she's written a couple of books, A Matter of Time and The Cost of... I'm sorry, A Matter of Honor and The Cost of Honor. Uh, yeah. that feature SG-1 trying to save SG-10 from this black hole. They steal an anti-gravity shield uh, for a ship, and it's about five years later. Apparently, they succeed in rescuing all of them, except for one, before the planet is destroyed in that. So uh, they huh. do go back, and they save the day. And presumably, they save Cromwell as well, but who knows? Who knows? I guess we'll you know, find out. You know, this would be interesting. I wonder if he ever actually materialized. Does time still exist while you're in the wormhole? There's, We'll get into it. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, when I looked on IMDb, they had a list, like a mile long, of different errors in this episode uh, from science and facts and whatnot. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, One of them, I'm just going to pick one of them here. Uh, if a star just turned into a black hole, then it would mm-hmm. have just about the same mass and effective mm-hmm. gravity as it did moments before. Mm-hmm. Just because the star turned from emitting light to appearing dark does not mean that time suddenly slowed to a near stop. The remote planet would be well clear of the event horizon, so the team on the planet would keep moving at the same speed the entire time and not experience time dilation. Oh, oh the... I am so uh, the the yeah, I'll, yes. <laughs> All right, I, I have this. This episode has reduced me into fragment sentence fragments. Well, at least it's done something to you. Mm. You know that, that's got to count for something. You know yeah. you are reacting and responding to it in uh, with with strong emotional content. So, um, you know. Any news is good news, right? Any response is good response. Yeah. <laughs> Let's read the synopsis. All right. Uh, do you want me to read it, or do you want to read it? You can go ahead. I'll read it. Okay. So this is from the Stargate Command Wiki with some of Brent's edits. Yes. Space. The final frontier. A planet designated P3W451 orbits a binary star. One of the stars starts collapsing, drawing material from the other. 
It then forms a black hole, pulling space debris into the maw on 451 in slow <laughs> time dilation caused by the black hole's gravity SG-10 commanded my major Henry Boyd runs through the desert surface to the Stargate Boyd orders Captain Watts to dial Earth. The team seems panicked, but Boyd tells them they will make it and they dial home in Stargate Command, Colonel O'Neill asks Captain Carter to explain to him how wormhole physics work. Even Carter's metaphor of a worm burrowing through an apple confuses him, but he claims that he knows how it works. Really, I'm okay. <laughs> they are interrupted by an unscheduled off-world activation. They receive a transmission, but they are unable to read it. Carter notices a low-frequency repeated signal and orders Lieutenant Graham Simmons to play it faster. And after running it at 600% speed, they read SG-10's GDO, and as a result, they open the iris. They await SG-10's arrival, but no one arrives. The Stargate shuts down. O'Neill requests a rescue mission, but General Hammond holds them off, at least until they launch a MALP. They launch the MALP. However, all they see is a distorted infrared image. Carter believes the image from the MALP has red-shifted and asks Simmons to implement a shorter wavelength. They see a clear picture of the team, but according to Simmons, only 11 frames, less than half a second, has gone by in the last six minutes. O'Neill thinks SG-10 is in trouble and asks to go in, but Carter believes the team is beyond help and wants the MALP's camera to tilt upwards to see what Boyd is so afraid of. They are stunned to see a newly formed black hole. Carter believes time dilation affected SG-10's ability to go through the gate. When they tried to gate to Earth from SG-10's perspective, it could not have been opened for as long as a second. All eventually agree there is nothing they can do to help, and Hammond orders Simmons to disengage the wormhole. However, they cannot shut it down, even after two attempts. Two! Two! Everybody knows that after the second attempt, you've got to try it one more time. I mean, two's a lot. Two's a lot. Yeah, but three's more. Oh, well, that's true. It's 50% more. Yeah, but that's just ludicrous. And they also say three times the charm. Well... Do you, are you telling me that this episode could have ended right there if they had just tried it a third time? If they had tried it a third time, it would have worked. Because the because saying that is would third have made time this is the charm. Better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Outside Cheyenne Mountain, Colonel Frank Cromwell and a team of USAF Special Forces arrive and ask a guard for a situation report. Apparently, they lost contact with Stargate Command for four hours. And before losing communication, things went Funky. Personnel Funky? in the SGC talk to them really slowly, believing an alien incursion. <laughs> believing an alien incursion, Cromwell and his team start going down the emergency shaft to level 28. I want to point out here for just a moment, mm-hmm. we can get to this a little bit, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, having an emergency shaft is good. But yes. having it so easy, it becomes very effective at this episode and later episodes for many different reasons. But this does not make a secure facility. No, it sure does not. In any case. Hey, look, here's this, here's this, uh, here's this tube in the ground. Huh, let me look down it. Hey, I can get all the way to the most secure elements of the United States Air Force's uh, defensive structure at Cheyenne Mountain Facility. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> Indeed. Mm. In his office, Hammond tries to make contact with the President of the United States on the red phone. Not the blue phone, not the green phone, not nope. the yellow phone, the not red. The banana phone. Not the banana phone, the red phone. But he can't get through to anyone. When he returns to operations, he hears the news that they lost contact with anyone below level 24, uh, which should have been above 24. Um, yeah, I was. <clears throat> as I was reading through that, I'm like, uh... Uh, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. anyway, Carter has Master Sergeant Siler run several possible solutions to shut down the gate, but nothing is working. They have passed the 38-minute window, and due to the stresses of the black hole, the event horizon starts to swirl. 
Hammond plans on getting online to the president above the surface, leaving O'Neill in charge for the meantime. After he leaves, O'Neill proposes that they should just pull the plug. He and Siler go to the power vault. They shut down the circuit breakers, but nothing happens. The technicians in Teal'c are asked to leave the gate room, while O'Neill and Siler plan to shut down the main breaker. However, this causes an overload, and a power surge injures Siler. In the gate room, the surge sends currents coursing around the Stargate, creating a series of small explosions, burning Teal'c as he tries to evacuate. However, the gate still does not shut down. Should have just tried that third time. That's right. Carter believes the wormhole is powered by the black hole itself. And while a med team assists O'Neill and Siler, Carter checks on Teal'c, who has, ha- has some significant burns. She then sees smoke from the fires being pulled to the wormhole. Carter walks up to the event horizon, holds up her dog tags. They are being pulled as well, and as she lets go, they disappear into the black hole. Carter believes the black hole's gravity is responsible the orders, and orders Simmons to close the iris. Hammond goes to the main level, NORAD, to get to the next secure phone contacting, uh, to contact the president. However, as he arrives and exits the elevator, he is greeted by several heavily armed soldiers aiming their guns at him. A man orders him to stand down and introduces himself as Major Paul Davis. He tells Hammond that he will escort him to an aircraft to debrief the president himself. On the way to the airfield, Davis informs Hammond that they believe they lost contact with the SGC because of time dilation. They had some time to work it out, after all, because time dilation. They arrive at the field so Hammond can talk to the president via teleconference about the situation. Meanwhile, Cromwell and his team have arrived to storm the SGC and encounter a very startled Dr. Janet Frazier, who is on her way to treat Siler. However... Cromwell believes that the SGC is in the middle of an alien incursion and thinks Frazier could very well be one of them. Time is starting to warp further within the level. O'Neill encounters Cromwell and scoffs at the prospect of Cromwell rescuing them. When hearing five hours has passed for Cromwell, rather than just a handful of minutes, O'Neill is confused. Carter confirms this, and when they arrive at operations, Simmons reports that the distortion field is expanding with 7Gs measured at the iris. Uh, that's a problem if you are standing right next to the iris. There's but so much about this episode, Zach. We'll get there. So much. We'll get there. Carter believes that the black hole's gravity may cause the SGC to suck through the wormhole. Yeah, to be sucked through the wormhole slowly, eventually consuming the Earth. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yep, that's okay. Carter wants to talk to the Pentagon, though Hammond later arrives and tells her he has already been there and back again. From his perspective, 18 hours have passed. He has set up a command post above the mountain so they could monitor the expansion rate and destroy the base to stop the threat. Carter believes this won't work, that the wormhole would still be intact. Hammond overrules her and orders an evacuation of the base. O'Neill and Cromwell decide to stay behind and wait five minutes to activate the self-destruct sequence. As the evacuees arrive outside the base, they realize that 22 hours have passed as opposed to just 20 minutes. It would take around six hours then until O'Neill activates the self-destruct. Carter, not believing the Pentagon's decision, uh, tries to work on a... Ah, okay. Carter, not believing the Pentagon's decision, comma, tries to work on a solution herself, but can't think of anything, even with Teal'c's assistance. Come on, she's got Teal'c's assistance. Why can't she just figure it out? Well, because they didn't, because they're working on base two math. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. By morning, Major General George S. Hammond checks up on Carter. By the way... I think it's. I think somebody's trying to be funny. Every time they mention Hammond, they always mention his full title and name. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> every time, it's always Major General. Major General George. George S. Hammond. S. Hammond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, by morning, General Hammond uh, checks up on Carter, who tells him that the best the explosion would do is dampen it. Uh, okay. Checks up on Carter. Yeah. Carter tells him that the yeah right. 
Right. So, so because of the gravity, they think that that the uh, the the explosion would get dampened by the gravity, and so you'd probably destroy the base, but not actually the wormhole. So you destroy any means of getting to the gate, but uh, then every, the gate would still be active, and, and then you know Colorado goes, and then the world goes, and that's all right. bad, 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 bad. Hammond proposes using the second Stargate to restart the program after everything is fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll work. Trust me. This gives Carter an idea. They do produce a, a, a do use a, 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 a charge, and they will produce a power surge to jump the wormhole to another world so they could just shut down the Stargate with ease. And so they rush in to stop O'Neill, who is still waiting for five minutes to pass by. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. Meanwhile, only five minutes have gone from, from O'Neill and Cromwell's perspective. Cromwell reveals that the two men used to be good friends, and he made a judgment call to save the rest of his team when O'Neill was injured, and O'Neill was forced to spend the next four months in a stinking Iraqi prison. Cromwell asks for his forgiveness, but O'Neill doesn't give it to him. Cromwell compares it to Major Boyd's terrified face, still frozen a few seconds later on the screen. The glass shatters from the control room, and they are about to activate... As they are about to activate... The all right, let me start the game. The glass shatters from the control room. They are about to activate the self-destruct, but are stopped by Carter, who tells them it won't work. But naturally, she has a plan. Yes. They gear up in G suits in preparation to repel quote down to near the Stargate and activate a shaped charge. Never mind the fact that those G suits aren't G suits. But nope. Teal'c. Having been gone through several days, in his perspective, arrives with a shaped charge from Travis Air Force Base based on Carter's specifications. Since a remote detonator won't be practical, O'Neill and Cromwell repel to the Stargate and set their own time limit, their own time limit. However, as they struggle with placing the bomb, the rest of the glass from the control room fails, rushes toward the colonels, and smashes straight to the iris. One glass shard has lodged onto Cromwell's rope. O'Neill then starts arming the bomb, but before activating it, the iris completely fails and is sucked through the wormhole, which now looks like a backward vortex. This draws the two men and the bomb even closer. Then tragedy strikes as the lodged glass cuts through the rope holding Cromwell. He falls but holds on to O'Neill. However, knowing that one rope will not hold both of them, he lets go and is pulled into the vortex. Oh no, we just met you, Cromwell, and we're going to miss you so much. So so much. You don't know what you mean to me, Cromwell. Cromwell. O'Neill struggles to get to the bomb, but he sets the timer and starts to climb. As he climbs... Teal'c and Carter and Sile use their strength to pull the rope from the black hole's intense gravity. The shaped charge detonates. Sometime later, O'Neill wakes in the infirmary, where he sees Carter, Hammond, Teal'c, and even Jackson, who, by the way, has been on a different planet with a dig this entire episode. Yes. They inform him the plan worked. The shaped charge sent the wormhole to P2A-870, and they quickly shut off the Stargate from there. Hammond reports that a new Trinium-strengthened iris, notice Trinium, it's back. It's back. Uh, Will be placed over the gate from now on, because that will protect them from intense gravity. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, When O'Neill asks what day it is, Jackson tells him, well, this might be a little difficult to accept, but since you reported for duty yesterday... Two weeks have actually gone by. O'Neill decides to sleep in. The <laughs> end. Oh, that's so clever. That was so clever. Oh, you know, so, you know I'm, I'm, it I'm, would not be near as bad if you didn't have quite some negative responses to the rest of the episode. At which point mm-hmm. then I say to Is you, that... Brent, mm-hmm. a matter of time. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? So, Zach, if you go to our show notes and you scroll a little bit to the section that's called Brent's Thoughts, um, how many bullets do I have under the good part? You have one bullet. Uh-huh. Do I have any content next to that bullet? No. Uh-huh. But, okay. but, 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 Brent, Brent, a lot of these episodes 
neither one of us gets anything written in it, so clearly you just haven't gotten that far, and we started recording before you got to there. Uh-huh. Stroll a little further. There's a section called bad. Uh-huh. Yeah. How many bullets do you see there, roughly? Um, one, two, three, four. Four. And how many sub-bullets do you see? <laughs> Uh, oh wait, no! One, two, three, four, five, five, five. Uh, I'm sorry, I missed. I, I'm and then there are several sub bullets. Several. Brent. Yes, Brent. The yeah the. Um. So you know my litmus test is um you know is there uh am I having a fun time? Yes. And or is there something important that's being said in this part of the story? And or. Uh, do I think that it's kind of important for somebody to watch it or not? Because, you know, sometimes the, it's just kind of not a good episode and there really isn't an awful lot said. But if a person were to skip it, they probably would be uh, missing out on something. Yes. This episode pretty much fails all three of those tests. <laughs> <laughs> this thing. Well, come on. I we're mean, talking I about knew... trium strengthened irises. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's no way on earth that that phrase could ever be uttered again in any other episode for the rest of the time. Yeah, but you've got to destroy the old iris before you can talk about building a new one. You do, no, you don't. You can just say, <laughs> you can just say, hey, guess what? We're having a new iris now. Like, that's you can do that. No, <laughs> that's, that's not possible, Brent. It can't be done. It can't be done. This episode, so I was coming in, you know, having watched the preview last week, I was already starting to make jokes. About you know oh boy here we go there's gonna be an there's gonna be an episode dealing with a black hole and yep. I know what television sci-fi does with episodes with black holes right the black hole is the monster it eats everything and the whole point is to get away from it right that's what the story is that's that's how that trope has always worked and it's always wrong now in the same way that explosions in space look nothing like they do in television and you can't hear anything in space. And if you get sucked out into space, X, Y, Z happens to you, not ABC, even though ABC looks better on camera. You know, there's, there's, there's a laundry list of things that television shows do wrong when it comes to, uh, showing physics on screen, Mm -hmm. especially in space that they do because if they were to show reality, it would be really boring. And so, you know, every single sci-fi show that is in space automatically gets something of a bit of a pass. But when you watch a show where they take a lot of care to represent some of those aspects correctly, it really stands out for me. It really is like, hey, you found a way to make this explosion look visually interesting, yet also a bit more realistic given the given what actually happens within a space environment. Or like... You know, if if I'm in space and I'm way far away, if the camera's way far away, it's like it's just completely silent. And if there is some kind of action going on, you know, like maybe just because you can't get away with complete silence, you'll do some muffly action. But, you know, like it's really intended to show you. Yeah, like it's different out here. But even with all of those passes, this episode start to finish relied on the misinformation about it in order to drive its mediocre story. (laughs) And, and so that was annoying. Like from the start, everything about it was a a bit annoying because they kept getting, they kept getting everything wrong about it. Right. Like black holes don't automatically suck in everything. Um, redshifted images that's a thing but not if you're transmitting the signal out your signal is still your signal the signal is arriving slowly but once you patch it together it is the signal so that first picture wouldn't be all a red blur it would have been a normal picture arriving very slowly uh how long did it take for them then to send a command back to the melt to tilt the camera up like obviously you know they were doing they were doing the television magic of you know time you know, six minutes had passed and it was actually seconds on the screen. But like, you know, like that piece wasn't was annoyingly wrong. The gravity problem with the wormhole itself, like setting aside that that's not how gravity works. We're just going to move that to the side. Uh, like when Carter walks up to the thing with the dog tags, if her dog tags were going straight parallel when she was holding it, she would be really having a difficult time standing on that ramp because it would have felt as if the whole room was tipped sideways, right? Like, 
it wouldn't be just this little like magic trick that you know like it said hold there's seven g's at the stargate at the iris then there's that right right he's just standing there there's seven g it's like oh wow time dilation so all right so let me just get to my notes here because i was starting to go so first off honestly this episode was was boring um watched it last night had a had a long week had a long day uh, girlfriend and I went out and had a beer and were really having a nice evening, came back and said, okay, it's time to watch this show. And I almost fell asleep at least two times. And, you know, <laughs> granted that has more to do with my energy level than the show, but still the show was not keeping me engaged. So that's a thing right there. Um, secondly, even the story itself didn't make sense. They send in a, a special forces team because, and the special forces team thinks that there's an alien incursion to the point that he thinks that he's seeing imposters. But yet he walks into the command room and he's all like, Hey friends, how's it going? Oh yeah. Wow. Look at that black holy thing. Hmm. As opposed to, for example, thinking it might be a really radical new wormhole situation. That's like allowing an alien race to invade, right? Like, like that part didn't make sense. Uh, the, Oh, right. And uh, the, the alien incursion threat. Uh, right. No, they figured that part out. So that note doesn't work. Uh, you know, I made a note. They're fine with uh, taking a visual only confirmation of a high ranking officer and giving him access to the president. Right. No. By that point, they had realized it was a time dilation problem. So that's right. That note's not right. But I had to make so many physics corrections to the synopsis because the definitions of what was happening was just wrong. The seven G's at the wormhole or at the iris, the way that the synopsis was written, it was saying like the the gravity was, um, how did it phrase it? Was radiating out or something. It was, it was implying that gravity was like an emission, like a radio wave. Um, and you know, like, yeah, you could describe gravity as an emission, like a radio wave, but functionally with a person measuring gravity at a point it is a it's a force it's it's a measurement it's not a it's not a receiving thing whatever um there was several others where i had to basically rewrite what was going on oh the very beginning uh the very beginning the black hole was drawing energy from the star no it's not it's not drawing energy from the star it's drawing matter it's an accretion disk come on get your physics right uh, and then and then they were being so flipping campy with all the time dilation references. And no, that's not the right way to say it. They weren't being campy. They were, it just kept coming up over and over and over. And they were beating you over the head. Hey, guess what's happening here? Time dilation. What? Right. It's where time has, a, it's, it's right. Time is relativistic. What? Yeah. Relativity. You've heard of it. What? Yeah. It's where this group of people think that certain amounts of time have passed when this other group think that a different amount of time has passed. What? Yeah. Look, my watch says it's been two hours. What? Yeah. Like it just kept happening over and over <laughs> again. And I was kind of joking, like, you know, it was happening over and over and over and over and over and over, kind of like a time loop. <gasps> Wait a minute, right? There's maybe it's a time loop that we're in, stuck in. But then we get into the writing. The writing was just bad. So again, Cromwell with the alien incursion, Frazier, Frazier could be an imposter, but they get to the control room and then all of a sudden he's like, whatever. Like, hey, this is this is this is actually the situation that's happening. Uh if Colorado is going to get sucked in uh, within six months uh, and then uh, Hammond just kind of pivots and goes, well, we'll restart the program with the second Stargate. Okay. Pause there for just a moment. Yeah. Uh, Hammond was was uh, going under the impression that the plan would work. If the plan works and the if all goes well, that's actually what he said, if, if all goes well, then we can restart the program with the second gate. If all goes well, it means uh, Carter's doomsday uh, scenario of six months later, Colorado goes away, um, didn't happen. Fine. Good good point. I was tired. I didn't catch that because this episode's lame. But skipping over that bullet point then, even though it was... I, I typed in all caps. I was very angry there. But to solve the problem, they have to have a very precise bomb built. Like, okay, 
So we got this precise bomb that's built, and then the thing blows up, and it blows up in a way that was a little unexpected, and it still worked because enough of the energy got in there. Like that was that was that was silly. And then the uh uh Iraq prisoner discussion that lasted on screen, what, fifteen seconds? Yeah. Like there's supposed to be this tension between Cromwell and O'Neill. You introduce this character. You th- almost throw away the fact that O'Neill was in a in an Iraq prisoner camp for how long? Four months. Four months. Like, and that he blames Cromwell for that, and then Cromwell then like does this like act of sacrifice thing, which was unclear to me. I thought that he just like fell, and now it's done. Like, what? I imagine that the whole like you know Iraqi prisoner thing is probably going to come up later. Um, but I betcha that it's going to come up in a way where it's not dependent on me having seen this episode to get the reference. Like it just felt weirdly inserted. It just, it, it, it like it, they wanted to build some tension between Cromwell and O'Neill and this is how they did it. Like it was really peculiar to me. So fair. That's the end of my bullets because I kind of ran out of steam, but man, this so, episode, man, like, whew, what, so what about you? So I don't think this episode is quite as bad as you do. Um, I don't have the same experience with physics uh, and space physics that you do. So I, I you know, I'm, I am beyond a layman when it comes to this. So basically, mm-hmm. uh, I, I am much easier with uh, being able to just let the story take me and go on that wave than to worry about all of the things that are wrong with the physics. Um, sure. Uh, so... While at one level I can say, oh my gosh, the physics are awful here, I can also say, eh, forget about the physics. Let's not worry about that. Let's, where does this story take me? Sure. Now, your position and your, your relationship with physics doesn't allow that to happen, and that's fine. Uh, so I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Sure. Um, you're absolutely right. The whole alien incursion thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If he is really seriously... Con- um, no. The, the thought that it might have been an alien incursion, okay, that actually makes sense. Something goes wrong, aliens. Sure, that right. could happen. The fact that you send in a strike force to go in to take care, to to figure out what's going on, also makes sense. That, that yes. doesn't have... Um, if, if he is actually thinking aliens, he is way too cavalier about, let me see your dog tags. Oh, okay, so your dog tags match the name that you're saying. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. And then he gets there, and then as soon as he sees O'Neill, he's just like, oh, sure, whatever. Now, there, there, there are some serious plot holes there. There are problems with that that's not resolved satisfactorily, period. Um, right. Uh, the, the, the tension between Cromwell and O'Neill... Um, actually makes for interesting uh, interaction between those two. Um, it's a little bit forced, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, uh, based on what we already know about O'Neill, uh, something else is going on here because he's not the type of guy to hold that kind of grudge against somebody else for so long. Something else is happening, yeah. um, and we don't know it. We don't get that here. Um, and, right. Yes. Uh, and then Cromwell dies at the end of the episode, functionally, and so um, that just kind of falls to the wayside. Um, so there's something wrong with that. Um, I, I found it interesting uh, that that uh, Carter is like, look, if you look at what is actually happening, the time distortion is happening ahead of the growth of the gravity field. And based on her understanding of physics, that shouldn't be happening, but that is what's happening. And so we need to assess that and and account for that in our process. Um, is that physics? I don't know. Um, that, yes, you I'm know. not, yeah, and I'm not jumping up and down when they got to that point. 
you know, when they started to say this is behaving in a way that doesn't fit our standard model under, or, well, that's specific. That's too specific. Uh, that fits our typical understanding about what's going on. But for me, because the setup was so flawed, even that moment was deeply suspicious. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I've seen a lot of people um, really rail at the very beginning of uh, the way it's shot where you see... Uh, actually, I thought that the, those early shots of being in space and moving around the planets and, and the materials being sucked off of the star into uh, the other star gravity and the, the development of the black hole, I thought it looked really cool. Yes. Um, and then, of course, they move immediately to the planet where they're all experiencing this. And they, uh, for me, as an outside observer, I am perfectly fine with, with just saying they are compressing things together for the sake of telling a story. You have to do something to tell the story that these people are running away from a, a black hole um, and probably a relatively new black hole. Um, yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, relatively in space is, well, relative. Uh, yeah. So I'm okay with personally just just saying we're just compressing things a little bit because we have to get through this because this isn't the part of the story. Uh, you know, the, the, the black hole, while it is a sci-fi trope, is just this dangerous monster in the background that we have to deal with. It's, it's not where the story lies. Uh, so, but, have- but here's the, half the reason why I'm so jumpity up and down about, uh, about this one is that you could, you could twist a little bit. You'd have to drop a couple of scenes to do this, but you can twist the story just a little bit and have basically the exact same story. And that would be that uh, uh, that the star, which would, I believe, has to go supernova before it can collapse into a black hole. I know I'm being pedantic with my with my physics, but, you know, bear with me on this one. Well, it does have to um, be so I'll, I'll grant you that. So that the actual threat is that the star went nova. And so, uh, you know, you have, uh, I think in reality, you have an an extremely small amount of time, like minutes, uh, before your planet is evaporated because of this. So, you know, like you'd have to be kind of careful about it. But like the the mystery could be that somehow like the Stargate... uh, uh, so the planet you're on the planet SG10 is is near the gate the uh, the star goes nova some detector like realizes it ahead of time I don't know like sci-fi let's 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 let some sci-fi magic happen here uh, they they open the gate and they start to get through and that's when the planet is evaporated because of this of the shock wave that goes through but somehow the gate isn't evaporated, right? We've already kind of established that these gates are are, are very interesting and uh, technologically advanced beyond our understanding. So perhaps it's constructed in a way that could withstand that. But the wormhole is already established, right? Okay. And so because the wormhole is established, now you can kind of set, you can kind of play around with this thing of like, yeah, this planet which got obliterated by this star. Uh, now is in a situation where the gate is like free floating in space or something, and maybe traveling towards a black. You you're giving yourself a little bit more license to to be believable. Uh, and now the threat is you've got this open wormhole that isn't shutting down. Why? Well, it's not behaving in ways that we expect. Why? I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the black hole. What? Yeah, this black hole that it's getting sucked into right now. Wait a minute. The other gate, which we can't disconnect, is getting sucked into a black hole? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Look at this time dilation problem. You know, like you could you could set the thing up in a way that isn't immediately groan inducing and still be able to tell a story about what would happen if a black hole was right next to an open stargate. Sure. Like you, you would, you would I just, lose I just the, came up with that. You would lose the, the story of what is it? Boyd and his team on the planet because they would already be functionally dead at that point in time. Um, yes. Or, or back at the, at the, you know, or back at Stargate command, like maybe they got through, but the gate didn't, or the, you know, the, the wormhole didn't close, but whatever. You would lose that piece, yes. Yeah. Well, you need to have the the outgoing wormhole from Earth's perspective for the gravity to be an issue. So, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. You could twist the story that way. That's not what they did. Um, and that might have made a better story. 
But uh, in any case. Right. So, um, Cromwell and uh, O'Neill, their relationship is, is weird. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Cromwell is a ridiculously uh, poorly written two-dimensional character that they try to make oh, three-dimensional yeah. at times. Um, he is so wooden. Uh, and uh, Julie's uh, uh, response is, there's a jarhead for you. Uh, right. Um, and and that, that's all he is. Um, when you start getting into that stuff about uh, the, the emotions of leaving a guy behind and all of that stuff, it's a little bit too late. Uh, we, we haven't seen enough of the emotion from him early on that when you get there, there's just not enough of it. Uh, yeah. But you had to do something like that to, to address that tension, assuming you were going to have the attention in the first place. Assuming, yep, yep. Um, but that said, um, the other issue I want to talk about is uh, the shape charge. You were uh, complaining about that. Uh, yeah, and so much as that, it just felt it. I, I was already in Groansville, right? I kind of liked the idea of the shape charge. Uh, whether, whether the physics works, I don't know. But the plan, the plan is because it, it it references other things that they've already learned about Stargate realities, and they've also used it several times. Uh, one accidentally and one intentionally. Uh, of, of forcing a wormhole to jump from one gate to another gate uh, through a a uh, over a, a power surge. It happened. Yeah. It happened with solitudes when they went to the Antarctic gate, uh, yes. and then they used it again a few episodes ago in Touchstone when they went. But they were using. But my my beef is that they were so the first one was because of what presumably are plasma weapons, and the second one was with electricity. And so they're using thermal and kinetic energy this time around to make the gate jump. Like it's it 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 just it was a stretch. Well, okay, I can I can buy that. Um, I, I can hear what you're saying there. It's I, I liked the idea of what they were trying to do. Uh, I can hear what you're saying with, with with fine. Yes, you know. So yeah. Um, you know, frankly, I, I I missed Daniel because I like Daniel. Um, right. Uh, at the uh, at the same token, though, there really was nothing for Daniel to do in this episode, so having him not be there was just as easy as anything else. So yeah, that's a good point. Um. Yeah, it's it's not a great episode. Um, I I don't have a problem. Uh, letting it play in the background overall as I watch it. I don't... Well, I mean, I'm, I'm enough of a completionist that every time I watch this series, I watch Emancipation. So... Right, you know, right. So this, yes. is, this is frankly not as bad as Emancipation. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, spoil my, uh, I'll spoil my Chevron rating. It's not as bad as Emancipation. There you go. Uh, so, you know, if I'm willing to watch Emancipation on a rewatch, <laughs> I can watch this one. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think it, I don't find it as bad as you do. I'm interested to see how many chevrons you get it. Uh, sure. And uh, there you go. So let's get into those chevrons. Okay, so let's do it. So, Brent, um, yeah. how many chevrons are you giving this thing? Yeah. I'm not going to repeat myself. It's not emancipation bad, but it's bad. It's two. There are two chevrons that I'm going to be willing to give this thing. This has a total of two chevrons. Uh, it's just, ugh. Ugh. He says, ugh. Yeah, okay. So, well, you know, after you have a good episode like the fifth race, you got to follow mm-hmm. that with something less good so that uh, you know how really good the other episode was. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, it's serving a purpose, and therefore it has more than and, more than. Two. And also remember, in in some markets, at the very least, uh, these two episodes were flipped. That you had a matter right. of time that first, was, and then yeah. the fifth race. Uh, now the order of these two episodes makes no difference to either one of them. Uh, uh, yeah, I could definitely see how this one completely stands alone. Yep. Um, I think I'm going to give this more than than two chevrons. 
Um, I'm trying to figure out. I, I think this is probably just a three Chevron episode for me. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's more than two, but I can't give it more than 50%. Um, <laughs> it's still a failing grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if you are not a completionist, um, yeah. Yeah. this is not an episode you would have to watch. Um, all right. I will say this. That mm-hmm. um, there are elements of this episode that uh, are noticed later on. Yeah, I think I stand by the notion that let's pretend this episode didn't exist at all. Like, not like people skip it. I mean, like, let's pretend that they never even filmed it. Uh, I bet you that writers could incorporate ideas contained in this episode within easily encapsulated sentences or ideas in future episodes, and it wouldn't have even mattered. Okay, Uh, I'm not arguing that point, Brent. Sure. I'm just saying that given that we have this episode, uh, there, there are elements of this that come back that if you didn't watch this or didn't know about this, you would have to, uh, well, you know, there you go. I don't want to say much. There more. you go. Uh, so I think I think that's yep. I think there's that. I think we have said all there is to say about yep. it. So Brent, yes, our next episode of Stargate SG One is entitled Holiday. Yeah. What is Holiday about? Let's see here. Holiday. It will be all right. Oh, you quit. Oh, Mr. Oh, did I screw it up for you? Next time on Stargate SG-1. If we took a holiday, took some time to celebrate just one day out of life, it would be, it would be so nice. Everybody, spread the word. We're gonna have a celebration all across the world in every nation. It's time for the good times. Forget about the bad times. Oh, yeah. One day to come together to release the pressure. We need a holiday. If we took a holiday, oh, 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 took some time to celebrate. Come on, let's celebrate just one day out of life. Holiday. It would be, it would be. So nice. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 for Holiday. How? How to do? Um, interestingly, (laughs) not that bad. (laughs) I mean, I will totally admit that I was... Quickly looking up uh, the lyrics as, uh, as as I was about to get going on that one. Oh, I could tell. Um, um, so shall we uh, watch the uh, yeah, is it gonna, the promo here? Is it going to be a Madonna video? Well, well, we'll wait and find out. All right. Are you ready? Yes, I am. I'm hitting go now. Next on Stargate SG-1. You are the one called Michello. Since before I was born, this man has been a fugitive from the system world. That's not Madonna. A legendary war hero. Do I know you? As a strange and powerful weapon. That's trading one dying body for a healthy one. I am Daniel Jackson. That machine somehow switched us. Let's assume for a moment that you are Daniel Jackson. Then who the hell did we just send home? And SG-1 may never be the same. How did it go, Colonel? It did not go well, General Hammond. You think? Oh! oh, oh, oh. I must shave my head. Tilk, you will not shave my head. On the next Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so looking forward (laughs) to this. Oh, this is great. They're going to do a little swappy-doo. Oh, man, I'm excited. Well, there you go. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) And after this episode, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So, yeah, that's that's holiday. And we will find out more about what happens there next time. Uh Uh-huh. 
to that, then I would say, dear gatewalking listeners, tell us what you think about this episode, A Matter of Time. Tell us where Brent got it wrong. No. Tell us where Brent got it right. Yes. Tell us that I am completely stupid to have the opinions that I have. I'm welcome to have my opinions, but I'm still stupid because I have them. I, I wouldn't go quite that. Oh, okay. Far. All right, so, so be nice to me, because I'm <laughs> fragile. Email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Nice. Excellent. Woo! I got that. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh, go to Facebook and join the Facebook group, Walking Through the Stargate. Go to the Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate, and hit that like button. Hit that follow button. Uh, join <laughs> the gatewalking community and have fun with this and all of yeah. the other episodes. Yes. And, because uh, that's what this is about. So uh, a, a tiny bit of confession. We had a little bit of audio trouble. I can't remember if we have previously said that people should rewrite this episode. We definitely said it out loud, you and me, Zach, a bit yes, ago. I can't remember if it caught the, in the one. But yeah, I think it would be a fun project if people were like, how can we tell this story better? What, what could we change about this one to make this one okay? Yes. Fix it. Make Fix it, it work. Because that's make what you work. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let us know. Tell us what yeah. you do. Tell us I'm how interested. you did it. Yep. So uh, I think we're done, Brent. Yeah, I think so. And so I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>